Hello, hello, and welcome to my podcast. Natasha here. We are reversing trauma with a lot of fun on this podcast by gently confronting your ego so you can find within this space a safe environment to question, to ponder, and to learn, and also to show up as your worst self and still deserve love. Hello, hello, and welcome to the ninth episode of the podcast. So as you can hear, my voice is a little bit um, raspy. I'm working on my sexy growl. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> just got a little bit of a of a voice thing right now coming out of the silent meditation. And what's really interesting is that on the first day that I got out of the meditation, I recorded a podcast and well, an episode here, um, and it was it was really weird because I was really weird the first couple days. I'm still a little bit weird, but it's way better because it's been about four days um, since I've been, you know, like in the real world again. And it was like the most spacey episode I ever recorded. It was like, yeah, silence. And then it was just like my brain wasn't processing things in the same way. And I was like not able to just... Like the whole relationship I had with the, the, this microphone and with talking was just so different. So yeah, in the last four days, I became my super excited chatty self again. <laughs> and here I am with today's episode. So I did want to talk about non-duality. But then now that I realized that I didn't talk about the 10-day meditation for Tushita, I feel like... I really want to honor that. So there's going to be some non-duality in this, but I'm going to focus right now on, yeah, on what 10 days of silent meditation at Tushita was like. What is it still like? What are the effects? Do I recommend it? Spoiler, totally recommend it. So just to give you guys some context, Tushita is a meditation center here in Dharamkot, India, where I am currently staying. So I actually came here just before the center because I did sign up. And something super magical happened with the group that I was with. Their computer system somehow had a mix-up or something happened. And normally when they stop accepting people and stop accepting registrations and signups at about 60 to 80 people in the group. And for our group, they're, you know, something went wrong. So the, the system kept on accepting registrations. And we ended up being a group of 104 students. So 104 students of, you know, different ages, different groups, uh, like, like different cultures, countries, you know what I mean? Like such a variety of people all coming together, 104 people coming together every day in silence to meditate, to learn about Buddhism and to eat this wonderful food that the center provides for us and to be like in this forest area because it's really like, you know, a relatively remote area here. And uh, yeah, we all came together. So we have this really special group of 104 people. And the way that it works is it's a 10-day silent meditation retreat. 
Now, if you've ever heard of Vipassana, Vipassana retreats, this is so different. I have done the Vipassana and actually I will be posting in the episodes to come about that, but uh, I really want to focus on Tushita. So if you've ever done uh, any kind of silent meditation retreat and it's really, really, really silent, Tushita isn't like that. Tushita is kind of like, so Vipassana is kind of like prison and Tushita is like a party. Honestly, because the meditations that they get us to do, they're super chill about it. They're like, okay, we're going to meditate. You know, it's a guided meditation in the morning. And after about 20 minutes, they're like, you can stretch your legs, stand up, you know, move around a little bit, do it mindfully and silent, you know, and we're going to do it for like a minute, but you know, your posture, they're like, be comfortable. Okay. Now you're going to meditate by yourself for five minutes. They're so chill. It's so chill. They're really integrating you into meditation really slowly, really beautifully. And so we've got two meditations in the morning and then in the afternoon, uh, well, actually in the morning and afternoon, there are teachings. So we learn about Buddhist philosophy, learn about Buddhist psychology, learn about Buddhist tradition. So like the more spiritual side of Buddhism. And this is really mind blowing the way that they have created this course. And the monk, the, I guess I tech, I technically he's still a monk in training cause he's not fully ordained. Anyway, his name is Wang Du and he's probably like the coolest person I've ever met. That's like a monk or even just in general, um, just to give you like a little glimpse. He used to be a musician doing concerts and he went to Tushita about, I think 10 years ago. His story isn't exactly clear uh, for me. And obviously we forget the details, but yeah. So about 10 years ago, he went to Tushita. He really liked it. And then, you know, he went back to Europe because he's from Austria. And then he like, you know, came back to India, was in the meditation. And then he was like, well, I want to be a monk, you know? Um, but in between there, what he had told me, well, not me, the group, and that what really, really, really stuck with me is how, you know, once he had been in the meditation, he had his little meditation corner with his little Buddha picture and everything. And then he'd come home high as a kite at 5 a.m. And he'd feel like he'd see Buddha stand there and being like, really again? <laughs> and I thought that was awesome. I was like, wow, trashy monk. Yes. Like that is like, you know what I mean? Um, so he, he, he knew, he knows what the life is like, right? He lived the, the rock star life. Um, you know, he probably got a lot of attention and a lot of praise and a lot of that and really, you know, decided to, um, yeah, to be a monk. So he was teaching us and it was incredible, incredible. Like the way that it's, it's presented to us, the way that it's codified, it's bite-sized, it's easy. Uh, of course, for me, these were principles that I already knew. So not all of them, but a lot of them. And the way that it was presented, uh, it really, really helped me find so much clarity and all of this information and all of these concepts and all of these realizations that I already had through myself and through my pain. So for, for example, um, there is something in Buddhism, which is, you know, the four noble truths, which is Buddha's first teaching, the first turning of the wheel. And the first truth of the four no noble truths is the truth of suffering, right? Buddhists are so pessimistic. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's actually such an optimism in, in their philosophy. It's, it's beautiful, especially the Mahayana tradition, which Tushita is teaching. And so the truth of suffering is basically one of, there's three truths of suffering. One of them is the, the, the suffering of change. So they call it the dukkha. Dukkha is the, the Sanskrit word. So the dukkha of change. 
And what that means is basically, you know, as a human, we're experiencing life and, and we think that happiness uh, is coming through these things that are actually very temporary and impermanent and changing all the time. Very simple example that was given to us by wonderful Wong Du is a cheesecake right? You know, we're not having a great day or, you know, we're just like chilling or we just walked up like this really big mountain because we're in, you know, the Himalayas and we're going somewhere. And then you get to, you know, the cafe and then you see this cheesecake and you think, oh, that would be so good, right? And then you're like, oh, happiness, cheesecake, yes. And actually, um, the principle is, is that the cheesecake is not inherently a providing factor of happiness because if it was it would always and in every situation in every context for every person at every time be a source of happiness and so instead the cheesecake is a source of happiness for about maybe five to ten minutes and then depending on the biochemical reaction of your body and your sugar levels it might be for you know like an hour or two or three right? Depending on how you digest your sugar. But basically the real like actual happiness pleasure for most people normally happens within the five to 10 minutes of you eating the cheesecake. And so the dukkha of change here is that basically once you're done eating that cheesecake, now the suffering is still there. So there is a change and that suffering is there. And so on another level, the suffering is there because even if you continue to have the cheesecake at one point, it would not be a source of happiness anymore. If you're ever like me and you kind of have like a history of binge eating, maybe this example is not good with one cheesecake. So let's make it like five whole cheesecakes. <laughs> so if you're eating a slice of cheesecake, you'd love it. And then the second slice is good. And then the third slice is, is, is good still. And then the fourth slice and then the fifth slice and then the sixth slice you want to puke. And then if someone was there holding a gun point to your head and was like, you have to eat the cheesecake. This kind of does sound like a fantasy, but anyway, you have to eat the cheesecake. <laughs> then you're going to actually end up hating that cheesecake. And that cheesecake is no longer going to be a source of pleasure and happiness. It's going to be a source of pain. So this is the basic principle of the dukkha of change. And so for me, this is something that I had experienced before. I was having this like really crazy full moon in Goa and I was just crying and bawling. I just had this like really insane feeling of like, like hating myself. And it was, oh, it was crazy. I don't know what was going on. I was just like, oh, this was not that long ago too. This was maybe uh, like March and now we're July. It was like a couple months ago. Yeah, like four, three, four months ago. And in that weekend, I don't know like what happened. I just, I just at one point I was like, I am so done with this life. <laughs> I am like, I really just want to like reach enlightenment because this sucks. Being human sucks. I understand now because the first time I ever heard of enlightenment and not reincarnating, I thought that's, that sounds kind of silly because isn't life kind of great? Don't I kind of have fun here? Wouldn't I want to come back? And I'm like, hmm, okay, I don't really I don't really get it. And then I got it. I was like, oh, this is so annoying because I realized that even if you were to eat all the food you could possibly eat until you'd explode, you're still going to be hungry two weeks later. And even if you drank all the water on the entire planet, you would still be thirsty a couple weeks later, providing you didn't die. And even if you were to, you know, accumulate like all of the riches and everything, in a year, you're still gonna want more. Like the, the, the nature of this life that we live as humans is continuously like needing to be fed. 
There's, it, there is nothing that is acquired. And apparently some, you know, a spiritual traditions would say that yes, enlightenment is acquired. And I do kind of believe that in the sense where there's certain knowledge and realizations that you can't unsee what you've seen. So consciousness is a little bit of a different thing, but when we really look at living in a physical body, nothing is acquired in the physical body. Okay. Then again, I feel like I'm, I, I need to contradict myself. Once you know how to ride a bike, you always ride a bike, right? But if you were riding a bike and you were like a master BMX, like dirt biking, long road distance, Tour de France, like, you know, like super biker. And then you don't for 10 years, even if you won like the most impressive biking human in the world for like all of humanity. And then you didn't bike for 20 years. You're not going to be that super biker anymore. You're still going to know how to ride a bike, but you're not going to perform on that level. So to say, so that was my, that was my personal realization. And then I realized, oh, this is the exact same principle as the Duke of change. This is an integral part of living in a physical body in this physical world. So that was a really long tangent of example of what the kind of stuff that we learned in Tushita. This is really just like one point of like maybe a hundred that we learned. So I want to share them with you. And so I do realize that I really, really, really connect with Buddhism and such a deep, deep level because of also the basic vision of non-duality that they present in, in Buddhism. We call it, well, we <laughs> already identifying as Buddhists because we call it. <laughs> so in Buddhism, it's called emptiness. And so if you heard my previous uh, episodes where I kind of refer to like love and unconditional love, what I realized is that from the teachers that I had, you know, Louise Hay, um, and I guess my coach, and kind of like the whole like unconditional love movement, if you want, a lot of people, um, I guess, especially Louise Hay are identifying this emptiness that, uh, Buddhism presents as love as unconditional love. And it makes a lot of sense because there is bliss in emptiness. And so the state of love, the state of bliss, the state of awareness, the state of emptiness, I think that they're really uh, one and they're very interchangeable. There might be a little bit of a frequency difference, each one, possibly. I, I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't doubt that in any way. But I think that, you know, if you've ever heard these words kind of thrown around in like spiritual and philosophical things, I do honestly think that they're all pretty much the same. So this principle is something that is so, so, so powerful. And I'm so grateful for Tushita because I've had such a great, uh, enlightening clarity in, you know, what I want to help the world with, how I want to help the world. And this podcast is a big part of it because they say that the root of all suffering is ignorance. And through, for me, you know, personality typing, body typing in Ayurveda, you know, uh, yoga and philosophy and spirituality and understanding, you know, your mind and neuro-linguistic programming and, you know, like understanding like how your mind makes a movie and makes meanings. And then, you know, the, the symbolism that, you know, we live through as humans, all of these things that I've been studying in my spiritual journey in the last, you know, three, four, six, seven years, even, I guess I'd say has the exact, 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 exact same goal, so to say, as Buddhism, when I realize it is that it is to overcome the ignorance and ignorance is the root 
cause for attachment and for aversion. So for, for wanting things and for not wanting things, ignorance is the basis of that. And I feel for myself that the number one ignorance that we are experiencing as a general in this era, maybe all eras, I can't, I can't know, but for right now, I'm pretty damn sure that almost everyone in 2023 and, you know, every year before and after for the last, you know, like recent times, I think we experience the biggest ignorance that we think that we have to do something to deserve love, that we have to be something to be worthy of love, that we have to somehow accomplish or that we are not deserving of love exactly as we are. And that for me is the biggest ignorance that I think we're inherently, possibly inherently born with, possibly conditioned with. Doesn't really matter. It's kind of irrelevant, but it's, it's really interesting to see how ignorance really is very deeply when you look at it at the, at the root of all suffering. And so anyway, Tushita was really great. Learned all of these really awesome things. And I'm going to share them all with you in the future episodes, of course. And just to give you, I guess, like a little bit of, um, you know, what do I recommend in all of that? Yes. Oh my God. Totally. This place is awesome. The Dalai Lama lives like 20 minutes away. Just like by foot, just letting you know, vibrations here are crazy. Tushita is amazing. And they're very, uh, I got a little bit of beef with Vipassana not with vipassana the technique because vipassana in itself um it, it is just like a sanskrit word and, is, and a meditation technique but there is goinka vipassana dhamma vipassana and um taught by goinka that's actually now like a dead guy and uh but his videos are like being you know used in these meditation centers and his philosophy and everything and his um his philosophy is very much so like you know, oh, you have to do an hour in the morning and an hour in the night and Vipassana is the only way and this technique and, you know, leave all of your other spiritual practices and leave all of your pujas, which in India, pujas are part of Hinduism, which is like a really important part of spirituality. Leave all of that, leave everything and just do Vipassana two hours a day and then come to the centers at least once a year, if not twice and blah, blah, blah. And it's just, it's just, he's just like, ugh, like, oh my God. Like, why are you telling me what to do? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? He is, it's a very, um, authoritarian, like patriarchal, like way of like telling you what to do triggered the fuck out of me. I got a lot of beef, but at the same time, now that I've done Tushita, I would probably go back to a Vipassana center. Okay, that's for another episode. Whereas Tushita, on the other hand, is, and I'm comparing them because those are the only two silent meditation retreats I've done. If I did another one, I'd be comparing them all. Um, so Tushita is like, yeah, this is information. If you like it, take it. If you don't like it, you don't have to take it. Are you here? Do you want to be here? You can leave at any moment. Do you want to leave the center? You can leave the center. If this really isn't fun for you, you can go out, you know? Like, we're like, they're like, yeah, this is like, we hope that you enjoy this, you know? And they've got like great food and they're just like, they're like, you know, oh, this is the principle of, you know, rebirth and it's really, you know, woo-woo because it's, it's like reincarnation and there's different realms and there's hell realms and there's God realms. But if you want, you can metaphorically look at it like what happens on planet Earth if you're not, you know, comfortable with, with the 
with the concept of rebirth and that's totally okay. And you know, Buddha is technically, you know, a reincarnation a bunch of times, you know, there's a bunch of different Buddhas and they're reincarnating. But if you don't believe that you don't have to like, they're so chill. They're just like so chill. So Tushita is a number one, um, Introduction to meditation, introduction to Buddhism, introduction to philosophy, uh, introduction to silence. It is so powerful. It is such a beautiful space. They hold the space so beautifully. There's something completely magical with spending so much time with so many people and not speaking. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that, you know, you're sitting beside a hundred people every day. You're not talking. You're just exchanging some hand gestures, like, you know, cause you're going in and out of the kitchen. You've got some like little tasks that you're doing like dishes and stuff like that. So you might exchange a word or two, but there's something really magical about, you know, sitting at a table and, and, you know, having your breakfast and, and someone comes and, you know, kind of lightly gestures that they can sit at the chair and then you lightly gesture back that you can. You don't even need to. Some people don't even do the gesture things. And you sit in complete silence, complete silence, sitting next to another human being. It's really easy to be friends with like everyone, honestly, because <laughs> it's just so funny because it's just, you're in silence and, oh, it's just so beautiful. I'm not going to lie. I totally cheated. I broke my silence because I met this wonderful person named Min. He's actually also from Canada and we would spend the last couple evenings since 10 days. So as of day six, I got like really bored and we started chatting in the night times in the evenings. We would kind of like escape a little bit and uh, we'd chat for like two hours. Anyway, love this guy. He is so awesome. So I feel like it was totally worth it to cheat. I got enough silence for like five days. <laughs> so you see that that's why Tushita is like, it's so chill. Anyway, I think this is enough on Tushita. And I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. You're going to hear probably a lot more about Buddhism and Tushita in the coming episodes. And I'm pretty sure that the one I'm going to do right now, because I'm super excited, is going to be about non-duality. Yay! All right. So there is love arising within me, within, okay, there is love arising within the empty space that is my stream of consciousness right now, as I imagine the beautiful other stream of consciousness that through their ear consciousness is perceiving the sound of my voice and the communication of these words. Wasn't that super poetic? I know, right? That was totally Tushita philosophy. That was like, did you get that? That was super cool. In like normal human words, I love you. I hope you like the podcast. 